so we have a project. We have a project. We call it OM Champion Project. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Marseille View. I'm Stefan, I'm your host tonight. Tonight's agenda is pretty straightforward, so we've got two games to cover. And for once, we don't have too much major club news on the menu. So no crises, no coup d'etats, no soap operas. Just a review of Jorge Sampaoli's opening two matches as coach. The two matches in question are the recent victories over Breton sides Rennes and Brest. But before we do that, we will chat briefly about Sampaoli's arrival and, and opening press conference. To do that, I'm not alone. With me, I'm joined by Ben. You all good, Ben? Oh, good. Oh, good. Um, yeah, st- strangely feeling positive and optimistic about OM for a change. Same <laughs> for me, definitely. Same for me. It's a strange feeling. And Jeremy, you're also here with us tonight. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Optimistic, I think, is the world. I, I had no problem waking up at 3am this weekend to watch the game. I was uh, happy to break my night into two. Uh, to watch some good some good football. Um, I must confess, guys, I, almost, I had some fears earlier on that we wouldn't have anything to talk about because things are going so smoothly for a couple of games, but um, hopefully um, this will be an enjoyable lesson rather than a, um, uh, an opportunity to vent. So, yeah, I said we'd start off with the arrival of the new coach. So we didn't actually do a full-on segment or a coverage of, of his arrival did we last time because the last pod we released was Jeremy, your, your interview with uh, Nico um, which was really good listen um, if, 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 for, for listeners if you've not checked out the last episode do check it out, it's a, a brilliant interview with a uh, um, journalist and and um, interpreter I guess um, who's sort of pretty well vexed on South American football but yeah, so Sam Pauli arrived, and I guess we've not really given our thoughts. So, although we talked about his pending arrival since he arrived, we've seen his opening press conference where he's maybe um, given us a little bit more insight into what his plans are um, during his time at OM. Guys, did you, any of you manage to catch Sam Pauli's opening presser? Yeah, when was it? It was Tuesday, I believe, before the game against um, against Ren. And I, as you would expect, I mean, it's, um, it's, it feels a bit odd because our last two managers have been, well, three managers, if you count Frank Pessy. <laughs> and, um, and, well, yeah, those are the last three, I guess, have been French speakers. But it was, it was you know, as, as we've already, and everybody else has already drawn loads of Bielsa parallels, um, San Paoli doesn't speak French. So he had the interpreter and it was, it was a bit long-winded and stuff. But... Yeah, I think journalists were, were quite basic, really. Um, no, nobody was was playing nasty or playing hardball for the first interview. They just feed them into it. What do you think? You know, do you think what are your game principles? How do you want to play football? Do you think this squad is up for it? 
can they adapt to your tactics? And, um, and he was just open and straightforward and said, look, some players will adapt quickly, others will need time, and others sadly just won't adapt and will need to move them on. And that, that was the gist of it, really. Was I'm, I'm, the, the most important thing is to give confidence back to the team, try and give them an identity and, and play actual attacking football and, and, and make them enjoy playing the game again. Um, and that was it. And I think the only other topic they covered was they asked him, um, they asked him if, if Longoria and McCourt had given him certain guarantees for next season and, and transfer budget and stuff. And he just said, honestly, um, it's, part of it's going to depend on where we finish in the league, if we qualify for Europe or not. <clears throat> and also, um, he, he thinks he's confident that the, the, the court is backing the club and won't, won't certainly won't um, won't let it you know fall into a dire situation. But he, he wasn't able to give any more guarantees to that. And Longoria, who was there as well, was quite evasive on the topic. So that that was the gist of it, really. Jeremy, what about you? Do you after hearing Sampaoli's first words as as manager, were you feeling more positive um, going into his opening games? Yeah, definitely. And I think, uh, well, you know, Ben summed up well um, what he said and how he said it. I think the thing that I was, I guess, um, the happiest about is uh, that, that he, if, if in case anybody had any doubt, um, that he's smart, that his answers were uh, measured, that he was quite, um, you know, to the point and that's what we're going to do when we have a real philosophy. But he wouldn't, you know, um, say that he's here to for a revolution. He didn't... Um, sort of ostracize any player or or criticize what happened, which, you know, you hope that it doesn't happen, but you never know when a new coach comes in um, and when with the reputation that the French media tried to uh, build around him before he even came in. Um, you always have, a, I guess I had a corner in my mind where I'm like, I'm, I hope that he's not going to come in uh, thinking that he's the Messiah. Uh, and, and I really enjoyed reading what he said and even more after with the other pressers. Uh, but yeah, I think I was. It was very reassuring to see how, uh, yeah, how smart he is. In case anybody had any doubts. Well, I think um, that's a good sort of point to to take away and move on to the actual game. So, Sampali's opening game was a home fixture against Wren. Um, now, so I should say um, we did come away with a one 0 victory. It was an interesting game in that it was. Two clubs with two new managers, so two two managerial debuts, I guess. So um, for Ren, it was Bruno Genesio, um, who'd taken charge there. So you, uh, I think we all probably guessed that this would be a cagey affair. Um, usually that's the case, isn't it, when you've got new new coaches up against each other? But some kind of interesting things get that first game. So it was quite a an, a noticeable tactical setup. Well, change in setup for us, wasn't it? Yeah, it was different. I mean, well, it wasn't very different um, on paper from the um, from the Lager system in midfield, certainly, where it was there was a number ten, there was a designated player that was, was supposed to play in the pocket behind the front three, but but five at the back was certainly you can't really say a novelty because we have tried it a couple of times this season, but the way it's, it's implemented. Um, is, is again very reminiscent of, of the Bielsa system, where when we don't have the ball, one of one of the the mid, I mean there were three centre backs, but um, Kamara was certainly dropping a bit further back um, and, and covering that sweeper role in front of the defence. We were certainly more condensed in, in central areas, 
but that means that we were able to have a bit more freedom on the wings. Um, I think the all out had a really good game. Um, I mean, it wasn't as good as Saturday's, but it was, it was, you could already tell that that's, that's a great system for him because he's a lot less exposed defensively. Um, and I just, I think what, what I enjoyed was, even though it was a bit more, um, you know, turgid against, turd, yeah, I don't think that's even a, wrong, a, a word, um, hesitant or, um, or, you know, shaky, nervous, because it's the first game with the new manager and players are still reeling from going out the cup to a, you know, really low, low down team, can it? Um, you could tell that people were changing, changing court, um, sides and changing, changing roles. And Tilvan went, went, I think he played three different positions in the game. So it was just interesting to see that, that technical, te- sorry, tactical f- flexibility and, and the fact that very rarely have, have we seen OM in recent months, years, change tactics and shape during a game. And Sampoli seems to change two or three times a game. Okay, um, Jeremy. What about you? Um, what did you make of the game against Ren? Yeah, I think it. We could see that uh, it started, I guess, a little bit um, meh, to, for lack of a better word, where where the team obviously was still reeling from that game. Uh, um, but you could also see that Saint Pauli was like obviously pacing. We all seen the images, pacing on the side. Uh, and talking a lot and trying to encourage them to play better and slowly, but surely the, they started playing better football. I think the the three five two that he put or the five three two, depending on how you see it, that he put early on was very interesting. I think you know putting, giving sort of the keys to the midfield um, to Camara as far as defensively it was good and and that replacement of Tovin, um I think is a good way to challenge a player who supposedly is done with whatever this is that. Um, is supposed to be doing at the club. Uh, and I think it's also, and we talk about that a little bit offline, right? I think it's also interesting that he was put in a um, in a midfield position, Dovin, when we see that he doesn't really have the explosivity and the pace anymore to be up on the wings where AVB was uh, insisting on playing him. Um, so the, I enjoyed the fact that he tried to change something. I enjoyed the fact that during the game, um, he's not afraid of, like Gwen was saying, to just change the tactic as soon as, as long as it fits um, what his players are actually doing. You know that reactivity that uh, he's been um, he's been talked about and talked for, uh, like Nico mentioned uh, on the interview that I did for the podcast. Uh, I think it was good to see. I think it was very interesting to see the difference between. Marseille with a new coach and Rennes with a new coach. Not that the game was that much more... Um, it wasn't really dominated by Marseille at all, uh, but you could see the intention that were like a bit better from on the Marseille side, uh, and you could see probably the kind of what St. Pauli brought slowly to the team straight away, which is like we, like we sort of had talked about, where he probably told them, forget about the past and forget about um, that that um, lost against Kane and let's focus on what we can do now uh, and let's do it as a team and I think the three defender helped a lot the the two fullbacks and Ben mentioned Lirola Nagatomo did pretty good as well uh, on his left side uh, and up front we there's still some work to do obviously after that first game he was not very, very easy to find Milik in good situations uh, and then with the changes um, besides the goal he didn't get too much better but you could see yeah the the little glimpse of this is what we are now and this is how we're going to play and this is how much effort we have to do. Obviously, the players needed to shine 
first game uh, under their new coach. Uh, they had to do whatever he asked. Um, but it was obviously um, positive. And then when you're able to score a goal at the very end to to steal the the three points, uh, it's always so good for, for the mentality of the team, right? I have to say, I completely forgot about Marseille's cup exit from Canny. I must have completely wiped that from my memory. Um, the <laughs> I wish. <laughs> the trauma. Um, is, there, is there any point going over it? It was just no. Shocking, so. I don't want to go for it, but yeah, <laughs> but just I think um, yeah, completely wiped from my my subconscious. I I, comp- I yeah, forgotten it ever happened. Um, yeah, thanks guys for reminding me. Um, I mean, otherwise we probably would have put it on the agenda tonight, but yeah, thank, thankfully we'll not see any more about it. But yeah, really grim start, actually, Like if you think about it. Well, it's, it's, for a new manager to come in when your team have really just hit rock bottom after losing to, uh, what division are they? Four, what, third, fourth equivalent? Fifth. Fifth equivalent. Uh, fifth, I think. Yeah, Um in the cup, so I mean, for Marseille, I mean, we know this happens quite regularly, doesn't it? But um, still, it's a pretty, it's a pretty low point, isn't it? Um, in terms of morale, um, that you're coming into, but maybe sometimes that works in the favour of a new coach because it can't really get any worse, and you maybe are seen as a, you know, a, a fresh, a fresh face, fresh voice that um, brings some sort of hope and positivity to to the players perhaps but anyway yeah so just thinking about what you guys have just said I suppose I'll just say that I I mean I've kind of gone over what you have already said but I for me I wasn't really like overly excited about the first game just more that I recognised that there was clearly a nice shape a nice system at play and you could see that there was a there was a system that was actually communicated to them and that everyone was trying to work hard and, and you know, like you could see the real focus on Sampali's positional tactics. I think there's a big emphasis on players playing in, in zones, isn't there? Um, and you could see that even though it wasn't perfect, it was just nice to see a system, and it feels like lately that hasn't really been the case. Largie's not really much of a tactician, is he? Let's face it. And AVB this season was just it. I, all I really saw was negativity and a lack of confidence. Maybe last year you could say that there was a very clear system, which was a very defensive one, but it just felt like that was really lost this season, and that we just went into games a bit lost. And um, so it was nice to see something. It just looked a little bit more organised and like a philosophy there, and or at least the very beginnings of it anyway. So, nonetheless, great to come away with a, a win for your your first game in charge, and I think we all felt um, quite pleased about the end, given that the winning goal was scored by such an unlikely candidate in it for a match winner and Mikel Cuisance. So, yes, and and set up by Luis Enrique as well, another player who's not had the greatest of times since he's moved to OM in the summer so always good to see those players that have kind of been left out a bit sort of jump to the the forefront again or or make themselves known I suppose um, with a new coach around so so yeah um, before we finish up in this game just wanted to ask you who your tops and flops were sorry 
Um, tops, I'd, I'd have to say, um, I think Camara was, was man of the match, wasn't he? Um, he was immense yet again. Um, and, and well, strangely, with uh, it's just come out today. He's he's in the um, he's in the under twenty one squad for the Euros this summer, not not the senior squad. I, I was expecting that personally. I think he's he's going to make the step up. Sadly, after he's left left Marseille and played for a bigger team and a team that's winning, um, and also when there's a bit more room in midfield, and, and Bichon finally realises that Enzonzi and Sissoko are frauds. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those where you think in that position in the France national team currently on the form he's in, there's, there's not many players better than him. And um, more more to the point, on on Wednesday night he had Camavinga in his pocket the whole game, so he didn't he, he didn't get a look in and and Ren didn't really threaten. Um, and then I think Lirola and Tovar are probably the, the next the next tops. Um, I can't really think of a flop really. Um, Cowie, yeah, maybe Cowie was was just substandard and subpar, but I don't want to blame him too much because he he, he was played in the central midfield, which is an isn't is a natural position. Um, he did better there on on Saturday, but on Wednesday he he looked a bit lost in that position, um, and and that's it for me. I think that's that, that, those are the tops and flops. Bizarre, isn't it, that Deschamps sticks with Sissoko and, and Zonzi? But uh, you know, do you know what about the Kamara thing? Just uh, sorry to. Um, go off topic a little bit but I was thinking the same about a potential France call up but then when I saw the the squad that was announced well, well before that in fact when I started thinking about who was available for France I thought do you know what If he, I don't know if he, he's, he you could really justify him making it right now because France has got so many options you know if you think about everyone from Pogba Kante Rabio and Dombele, Awa, Camavinga, then half of them are in the under-21 squad, and I thought, well, if those three aren't in, Camavinga, Awa and Kamara as, as options, then who gets picked? And, you know, the fact that you're mentioning Deadwood like that, it's just it's quite frustrating, isn't it? It must be frustrating for young players um, to, to play so well and then get overlooked for guys that are not really that, maybe not at that level anymore, so... Yeah, it it's odd, isn't are, it? But... For, for national teams, it's an odd context because the, the, the Euros didn't happen last year. So effectively, you've had France and all the other countries have had the same cycle of, of players and squads for three years now instead of two. Um, I, I, I do think that after the Euros and, and had they happened last year, I think that's the time when you start bringing these youngsters in and, and they play through the qualifying campaign and they start getting used to the you know, the systems and, and the demands of, of, of such high-level international football and you ease them into that two-year cycle in the squad, and then you take them to a tournament. Unless they're a uh, you know, Ribéry at the time went, went to the World Cup 2006, he'd never played for France before. Unless you're an, an exceptional player in a position where the, the squad is lacking, as you've said, Steph, when, when you sadly play in a position where there's so much competition, you're not going to have the, the experience, the benefit of experience from the, from the from the national team manager. He's going to go with you know tried and tested players in in the squad that he knows are going to gel well well and respond well to the pressure. Of course, um, yes. Yeah, so, sorry for going off topic there, but yeah, Jeremy, what were you? Who were your tops and flops for the rain game? Yeah, I think the top was Kamara as well, and uh, and to to keep on that uh, national call topic. 
he was only called for the um, the group stage of the under 21 Euro, which is end of March. Um, and there's going to be another list done for June for both the under 21 and the A. So that there's still a chance that he might be called up in the A if, say, uh, you know, um, Enzonzi or Pogba or N'Golo Kante isn't available, or even if they're available and he wants to to call him in if he does an amazing uh, um, last nine games. So, uh, yeah, I think it, it could still be uh, in with the, the first team because they could still change. I also think that Deschamps had said in a, in a presser last year somewhere, um, I think he was talking about Awar, that he wants, like he said, halfway, but he wants to win both the under-21 and the first Euro. And he says that the best way to create a good team for um, the first team is to have that um, that winning mentality done at the under-21 uh, level. And if that team, which is, as we saw, the um, the team selected today, uh, just stacked with talent and um, some of the best players that we have in Liga, uh, if that team get to win the under-21, it's probably the best way to prepare um, the World Cup in, in Qatar a year after. Uh, but yeah, but I, I, it, it is, from what I read, unless I'm wrong, it is still possible that he does the group stage in end of March with the under-21 and then the actual Euro um, with the first team with um, with France. Uh, anyway, so yeah, top, top definitely Camara for, for that game. Uh, and, and yeah, I like what Toven did. I didn't mind what Balerdi did as well. He was playing a little bit um, firefighter for who I thought was maybe the flop of the game um, for us. Um, Charita Charles, just, just because he, he felt a little bit nervous. He, he picked up that yellow card early on. Uh, I don't think he was like all that comfortable for some reason, maybe because playing three defenders is not used to it that much. But yeah, he wasn't as good as he's been recently. You know, he 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 did the, the passing football that he usually did, but defensively, I think he just wasn't um, yeah as imperial as we've seen Saritacha being. Okay. Um, okay, thanks for... Clarifying that about the international football just um, reaffirms to me that I do not understand the the structure of this new Euros. Doesn't make any sense <laughs> to me. But um, yeah, so for me, tops. Yeah, you guys have both said Kamara is great. And do you know what? I'm just going to say Lirola just because it's, I, it sounds like I'm a bit of a Lirola fanboy, doesn't it? In this podcast, I'm always picking him out. But I think, um, not that necessarily that he was the best player on the pitch or anything, but you could certainly tell right from that game against Ren from Sampaoli's opening game that Lirola is going to benefit from his system. Um, and we saw glimpses of that in that match where he was looking quite interesting going forward as a wing back rather than as a full back it really does benefit him and yeah so um I kind of liked what I saw with him and as much as Kamara was clearly excellent the what one yeah so in terms of flops I would say that's hard to really say I don't think anyone was particularly bad I would I think I'm just going to say Cowie's a player that maybe that doesn't look I'm, I'm struggling to see where his role will be within that that side and without I don't want to go into the next game after, but but just noticing that he's the player that's getting called in both matches um, for other players who are coming on to perhaps make more of a um, an impact than him more of a profound impact than he is so yeah I think maybe he's a player that 
that I can't really remember like seeing much from that um, made me think he's going to 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 fit well in that in that in that system. Um, so yeah, so takeaways. Just the one, if you can just say a takeaway from this uh, this opening game, and then we'll wrap up and move straight on to the Brest game. So, and I'm going to start with you, Jeremy, just to kind of mix it up. What was your takeaway um, after the the rain win? Sorry, um, I, yeah, I, th- I think the main the main takeaway was the the change in mentality and that happiness when the goal came, obviously. But the yeah, the fact that the team felt much more compact and playing for each other, uh, and and maybe uh, actually I'm going to take that back. My main takeaway was uh, how good Sampoli was in the um, press conference afterwards, where he explained um, exactly. What he wanted to do and uh, his his tactical mind and that very very um, I guess candid and honest and not like no bullshit kind of press conference was probably the the almost the best thing about the game. Uh, obviously, getting the three point was great and putting one up on Rennes, which was that postponed postponed game for a while that everyone thought uh, if we win it our chances to play European football are back on. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think how Sampaoli had a, an impact on such short um, time at, at the head of the club and and how he was able to exp- explain, explain it, express it, and not be afraid of almost saying, almost giving away, right, what his tactic and what his football mind is, um, was probably the, the best thing for me in that game. Yeah, well, I think the, the takeaway is, that, you know, we got the win in, in, in the dying seconds where the last few weeks, that's when we've tended to concede. <laughs> so it's been going the other way and, and luck, luck smiled on us and we, we made it happen because we, we were attacking. We were the team that was trying to, to create the most in, in open play for a change. Um, and yeah, I think parallel with Jeremy was the... the the San Paoli effect, which was, um, I there were pictures on social media of his technical area after the game, and it was just worn and trodden. Like, he, and, and they showed on Canal a few clips, and he, he spent the whole game pacing and running from left to right in the technical area. And um, it just makes a change from Lagier, who, who stands there like a like a scorned headmaster, or AVB, who stands there with his arms crossed. Or Bielsa really sitting on an ice box. <laughs> Well, yeah, but it's um, yeah. So San Paoli, you know, his involvement, his you, you can tell that he's a coach that wherever he goes, he's, he's got a personal investment and he wants to live and, and breathe the game as we were as fans. And yeah, just his whole attitude in the post-game interviews, as Jeremy said, were, 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 the, were the, hard, well, the main takeaways is that he's here. Let's let him work and let's see what he can do. Yeah, I, I to be honest, I don't really have anything unique to add to what you what already said. Is that yeah, we won the game at the end, isn't it? And we saw a new system that sort of leaves you with some, I guess, room for hope. But I, I guess for me, like, a takeaway was that I actually came away from the game looking forward to the next one, which is unusual. And yeah, and yeah, I think that's all really all I've got to say. So I think it's probably best to move on to the second game. So that was Saturday's fixture against Brest, another home game. So I should say the home game was wasn't it was against Rams because it was a rescheduled game, wasn't it? Because the previous one was postponed. 
because of the incidents at the training centre, wasn't it? Is that right? Yeah. That's why we've got two home games in a row. This game is kind of... Didn't start off exactly where the last one left. Does did it? It was a bit of a, as I know it's an old cliche, but it was really a game of two halves, wasn't it? It was a very kind of flat first half and the second half that really came to life. Yeah, we did. We did get many chances, did we? Early on, I think Milik, very similar to the situation where he scored the goal, was was played. <clears throat> played into a position on the edge of the area where he took a shot and he, he sort of scuffed it a bit. He sh- he, you know, the ball was a bit stuck in his feet and it went wide. Um, and then I think he had a, another header from a corner that was deflected by hand by the by sorry by one of the defenders' headers um, from another corner. Um, and most of our joy was was coming down the right side, certainly for the first 35, 40 minutes, where again the all out was was like a dynamo. The guy's got you know. Uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get overexcited and overhyping, but he reminds me of Cafu, who, who just seemed like he was never tired. He was going up, down, up, down, up, down on the wing for the whole game. Um, so yeah, Leroy Lab was, was making inroads down the right. Um, Tovan was quite mobile, um, and yeah, we, we just we grabbed the goal that we deserved. Frankly, we we did deserve to lead, or certainly we we deserved it more than Brest, who had created very little in the first half. Um, and yeah, it was a bit, it was a bit nervy. It, was, it wasn't as good as you said, Steph, as, as the end of the game against Rennes. But um, again, defensively, the, the, five, the three at the back meant that we were never really put in, in, under any real pressure or danger. Um, notably, Balerdi had a, had a great game, but we'll, we'll talk about that in, in the takeaways. I'm loving the the Cafu comparison. I think I. <laughs> joke, joke didn't I, in the WhatsApp group that he was like the new Danny Alves. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm only, I, I, it was a joke. Um, the yeah, so um, Jeremy, what about you? Um, what were your kind of first imp- your impressions of the game overall? Um, yeah, I think it was it was good. We had there was that serene feeling that we're going to be okay. Something's going to happen. There was that feeling that. Um, yeah, that Sampoli would do something at one point. And we saw at halftime when he feels like the the game isn't necessarily going his way, uh, straight away he makes the change. I think, you know, the, the 5-3-2, 3-5-2 that he started with um, against Brest, we saw a little bit of issues in the midfield where Kamara had a hard time by himself stopping Fevre and Le Doiron. and Because Brest, I think, played pretty good for... Uh, weirdly enough, they didn't have their start, their real starting eleven, but they played pretty good in the midfield and how they built up. Um, and I think as soon as Sampoli realized that that five-three-two might be a problem in the midfield, was straight away in the halftime he gets Kawi out, who was having an issue holding the midfielder, uh, put Gay, and now you win a four-five-four-one situation uh, where Gay and Kamara all of a sudden it's much harder to be able to go through the midfield uh, and. Although that's when Marseille concedes, um, you could feel, I guess, less of a of a Brest domination. I think for 20 minutes or 25 minutes in the first half, Brest was dominating, and at the end of the game, they have the possession. Uh, but yeah, I think it was good to see the, again that adaptability from Sampaoli. Uh, then, as far as the goals go, I mean, um, Milik is a striker, right? I know it's been a while for us, uh, but having a, a real striker who can um, creates opportunities for himself, who's going to complain to Tovin a couple of times during the game that he's not giving in the ball where he's where he wants it, uh, who's going to make 
every I guess every call that you can make, every run that you can make one day, one moment he goes um in the back of the defense, one moment he drops down to ask for the ball outside of the box. Uh, I, I love his activity up front. Uh and Pay and Tovin are slowly but surely um getting back into their groove. Uh, obviously we've seen Tovin's celebration where uh, he said, Oh, it's because it was his birthday, but I mean come on that that extra happiness and that extra joy and then after the game when he said it's a new beginning uh, I, I stay with it with him because it was his birthday but also because it's a new beginning uh, you can see that the team is getting together again and, and that's I think really really good to see Yeah just thinking about the, the talking about Melik and his impact actually there uh, it is noticeable isn't it that we do clearly have a focal point up front, a player that we are confident can bring us goals. Um, I, I would say, though, I do, as much as he's been very good, um, I do think that as you can clearly see he's still, well, it's either that he's still a little bit off the pace or maybe he just lacks a little bit of anticipation sometimes because I do think that there was a couple of occasions in that game and in previous games where balls have been put in to him near the around the six yard box and he's just been too slow in getting in there. Um almost like he didn't see it coming. I don't know if it's that or if, or that he doesn't have the pace or not. It's one of the two. I think he's finding his feet with a new team, isn't he? He's finding he's finding finding getting used to your teammates and it's it this should have happened in the first three or four games when he played. The fact is he was he was not getting any less than half the number of balls and service he's getting now, was he? Because we just weren't playing football. We weren't. We weren't finding him. We weren't crossing as as much. We weren't going forward as much, and we weren't creating as much. And I think it's it's a mix of all those things, as you've said, Steph. I think he's he's probably still probably only eighty eighty five percent match fix. He, he didn't have a preseason. He he didn't play for the first six months of the season. He joined us, picked up an injury, and he's still getting used to his teammates. And he and one one aspect of his game as well is that he like Benedetto Germain. Less so against Brest, but against Rennes, he, he he has to drop back quite deep to touch the ball. And that is still an issue in our game, and it's it's something that positionally, whoever's number ten, if it's Payet and he doesn't have the legs anymore, or if we bring someone in in the summer, he's going to need someone closer to him. If not, he's going to keep dropping back, which means he's got to sprint to get in the positions you've described, Steph, which is in the six-yard box. I think he likes doing that, though, doesn't he? I think I remember Thomas saying that that was a element of his game that. Um, commenting on that when we were signing him that he's a player that does like to drop deep and get involved more in the build-up and, and stuff so yeah, maybe that's just the way he plays and maybe he doesn't actually just drift back into into the back deep into the game rather than sort of stay up there waiting for runs and and that is as, as good as that can be it, yeah it, Sort of leaves you sometimes at a disadvantage when they when you're counter attacking and things and and it's moving at a fast pace, unless you've got um legs like someone like Mbappe or something and you can get in there quick enough. But I don't know. Yeah, maybe it is just um sort of someone settling in or not. Um, I do think you know as I I think I'd said this again in the group the other day like we're, one of the uh, the chances it's like with Benedetto he'll probably get on the end of it but he'll probably put it over the bar whereas Milik if he can get to it you feel more confident that he will put it in and I, I'm going to say this which might sound a bit over the top but the goal he scored against Ren, there was a, in a 
in a little way it kind of reminded me of the kind of goal that Drogba would have scored when he was at Marseille. Um, and I'm not saying by any means that Milik is anywhere near as talented as Drogba, but just the way the ball com- comes in and he you know, he manages to control it down through the middle and break forward. And it's quite a bit of a solo goal, although he's, if you think about it, and and, and he, he strikes it low from, I think, just about the edge of the box. It was just, I don't know, I just felt like it was a player that was had a, I don't say confidence, because I'm just saying I don't know how confident he is, but certainly like he's a player that knows that he's capable of doing that, and that's something that we don't always, we've not had for a while up front, and it's something that I just remembered when that season at Dropper was with us, he scored goals like that. But yeah, anyway, I wanted to yeah just ask, going back to the tactics, Jeremy, you said some things about how Sampaoli sort of mixed it up throughout the game. Obviously, in each game, he brought in Luis Enrique and Cuisance, um late in the game, and they had a real impact on on us winning the match. Do you think that those changes were purely the benefits were purely as a result of his tactical new his um, observations on what was going on in the game, or just the fact that we've got two players that are keen to make a mark? I think it's definitely both, right? I think it was like, um, yeah, I think definitely the the impact is there from Sampaoli. Obviously, the the players have something to prove, and those two players specifically, right? Luis Enrique, since he arrived, I mean, how many minutes did he play with AVB? He was given um, like little to no chance at all to show what he was able to do. Uh, so, you know, obviously... Sampaoli was coaching in Brazil before, so he must know of Luis Enrique uh, and also he must know the mindset that Luis Enrique is on. You know, he knows how he's been sort of trained and he knows the football in Brazil. So he was he would probably be able to talk to him a little bit more in terms of this is what you are doing in Brazil and this is what you can do here and this is how you can adapt to the new football. So I think for Luis Enrique, it's such a, a massive positive that Sampaoli is now the coach. There's probably a bit more uh, opportunities arising for him. And I mean, obviously, three assists in two games. Uh, he's he's doing well uh, by his coach, for sure. Uh, for Cuisance, I think it's hopefully um, it's the confidence that's coming back. I mean, that kid has to be talented, right? Um, he was he was a starting you know starting lineup in München Gladbach and that's why Bayern Munich recruited him. Um, he, he is I think he is good. He's just maybe a lack of work or maybe a lack of um, feeling concern I guess uh, under under AVB. Uh, and now in in two games he scores two goals as well, so it's very good for his confidence. I I think the credit comes to Sampaoli for seeing what those players can bring and also we, we don't see what's going on in training but that's probably a reason why Luis Enrique and Cuisance come in rather than um, Germain and Cham for example um, and, and yeah I think they're obviously they're showing him that he's doing the the right calls by putting them on but uh, Luis, Enrique, Luis Enrique right the the difference that he's making offensively on the wings and I know all of us have been talking about that for a while uh, but it's so good to see um, the left wing with a bit of pace that we didn't have since uh, what well, since Radonjic went to Germany. Okay, I'm just looking at the time, so I was going to move on actually and just ask you what your tops and flops were for the the game. Um, tops, I I I'd actually put Sampoli. <laughs> um, not only for the the second half performance where we you know Lirola had a couple of chances and we really took the game to Brest, 
but it's for his his coaching reactions where under Lockyer or ADB, we'd, the, the other team would equalise or we'd go for a rough patch in the game and they'd just wait and wait and wait and not make a change. And him, you know, Sampoli, within, even before we scored, he changed it up. And then as soon as we went behind, he, he made two substitutions and bought um, Benedetto and, and, and Cuisance and Enrique on so it was three sorry, in total towards the end. But he just went for it. In his mind, there was no no question of paying for the draw. It was let's let's just fucking go for this. I'm going to throw everything we've got at it, and let's just thank God we have we have that on the bench, someone who's not afraid to take those risks and and just go guns blazing. So I'd put him as as my top, um, and then I'd you could put Tovar. Tovar was really good, um, and and he just kept going. There was there was a moment in the second half where I was like he's knackered. You know, he's giving the ball away, he's rent, he's, he's putting a shift at time to get him off. And then he found a second wind and um he got a goal. <laughs> but he was just instrumental in everything we were doing on, on in midfield and then when he moved back out to the wing as well. So Tovan the top and then Enrique the first because he got two assists from the bench, not easy to do, both on his on his left foot, which is not his strong foot. You, I I was surprised. Couldn't really tell it wasn't his, his best foot. Um, but yeah, the, the, the whole, if you look at, there was a situation, if you look at when we scored the second goal, five or, or ten minutes before that, there was a similar chance where Benedetto chases the ball down on the right wing and he manages to get, to get the ball and cross it in and it goes to the far post and, and Payet is miles away. He's not made the run into the area as usual. You know, he's not read the game or he's being lazy or he just can't can't do it anymore. But as soon as Enrique came on, that's where the second goal came from because he he followed through on on Tovan winning, you know, following a, a sort of lost ball on the right. He managed to get it in the box. Enrique manages to to because he's, he's followed up, he's, he recovers the ball, and then we we have a bit of a dodgy situation where we press that player in the corner flag. He gives it away, and Enrique straight away switched on, knows where the, the defenders are, and, and manages to cross it in. So, yeah, those those are my three tops um, flop. Kawi, he did participate in the build-up to the first goal, but again, he, you know, it's, it's just not his natural position in, in central midfield. And um, sadly, Pat Gay, I didn't think he was very good when he came on. Um, he made a lot of fouls. He gave the ball away quite a bit. Um, it, yeah, I think he's, you know, we, we, we expect a lot from him because he's shown us a lot, but we, we have to remember this guy's still a teenager and it's his first season in the top flight and he's, he's going to have bad games. Um, but yeah, I was a bit worried that after we conceded the equaliser, that he was, um, you know, he was a bit sort of error prone for the for the second half. Yeah, um, I think I'll go next actually, just to mix it up. Um, I think it was a lot of tops actually. There was a lot of players where I was impressed with or pleased. Would be better saying I was pleased with their contributions. Obviously, Luis Enrique's looked very exciting coming off the bench. Um, on that left wing, hasn't he? And, and well, yeah, contributed to what well, he set up two assists, wasn't it? So he's he's definitely got to get a mention. And as you said, Tovan was very strong as well. I think um, there's a couple of players though that I would say I'm going to pick out that I I think had very good games, but there was flaws as well in their performance. So this one is Lirola, who was very good again going forward. Better, I think, than the 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 rain game, but he was possibly at fault, wasn't he, for the goal? 
Um, so there's, I mean, I know some people say there was a, maybe a communication issue between him and Kamara. Um, but you, yeah, you can't, um, I don't know. The, 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 for me, he's definitely still a lot of work to do in his defensive game. And then the other one that I was going to pick out, again, is a top, but possibly a flop. So I'm, I'm kind of just talking about players now. I'm not really playing the game, am I? Um, is um, Payet. I thought Payet was, at times, pretty poor and giving away a lot of balls. And then he kind of suddenly, in the second half, just really sort of came into it. And I, I just thought there was a number of occasions when we were on the attack where he was just picking out some really lovely through balls. Uh, the kind of passes that you want your number 10 to do, you know, the ones that can really split defences. And yeah, so I just thought that that was kind of refreshing to see him doing what he should be doing. Um, and, you know, they ne didn't necessarily... Um, lead to goals or goal-scoring opportunities, but he was making the right moves, well-timed and, and so on, so I really liked some of what I saw from him in moments in that second half. Um, and those are the kind of moves that that make the difference in games. And clearly he's a player, you know, we all know that can do that um, better than anyone in our squad. So yeah, because I, I mentioned those two like that because I find it really difficult to pick out a flop. I don't think anyone was particularly bad again. I think even Nagatomo was alright, you know, and he's usually an easy one to pick if you can't remember who was shit. You can usually just guess that Nagatomo was probably crap. But I didn't think, he, you know, the last couple of games I thought he's been alright actually. Um, so yeah, I'd probably go with Kawi again, just that um, I'm just struggling to see where he fits in this and he was again. He was taken off, wasn't he, fairly early? Um, because it's obvious that he's maybe not having the impact as 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 necessary. It's an easy one to take off when you're looking at that eleven right now. Who if we need to bring on someone to change the game? Who to who who do we take off? And I think he's obviously the first choice right now. Yeah, I, I think in uh, in the top. Yeah, I think Sampaoli definitely. Uh, like Ben said. The, the tactical changes and uh, the understanding of the game, right? How how he's trying to always um, get one better in like on the other coach uh, and adapting to the changes that he made. And you know, as soon as um, we concede and Brest is already playing with a pretty offensive team, you get out Alvaro and you get in Luis Enrique. It's a real like it's a real change. Uh, and I think that's that's so good to see that we have a, a coach that's happy to react like this. Um, as far as the player, yeah, Luis Enrique, um, Tovan that, that you guys mentioned, um, you know, I'd I'd put Milik just for for his his goal and for like I said, the way he was interacting with uh, with the rest of the team, um, and, and maybe yeah, maybe Lirola as well for his offensive play. Um, but yeah, I think. Funnily enough, right, there's not there was not really a big big top because there was like half of that game where we were being dominated by Brest, uh, and so everyone has has had some, I guess, little little mistake here and there. Uh, Kamara obviously had had a great game as usual. Uh, for the flop, I think, and and I don't mean to be too harsh by by saying that, but a, a little bit Mandanda for me, you know, um, only one shot off target uh, for Brest, and that's the goal. And you know, I know that he didn't make any. Um, massive mistakes, uh, but you know we know how good Mandanda can be and how good he has been for for OM. And 
that's the kind of ball that usually they only have one opportunity and Mandanda saved that one opportunity and keeps us into the game. Uh, and and when I when I looked at that header from Brassier, which is um, in the um, like you can't have a more uh, a tiniest angle, right? The header that he makes and Mandanda. I know he's surprised and I know it's close, but it is. Body language and his body movement on that is is yeah close to nothing. Uh, so whether Brassier had put that one in or put that one uh, back in the middle for somebody else to score, Mandanda was anyway beaten. Uh, so yeah, that was I was a little bit um, annoyed at that. With obviously the defending could have been better as well on it. Uh, but yeah, that would probably be be my flop. And Kawi, I think. If Sampaoli puts him on the starting eleven, he must be showing some some really good stuff at training. Uh, but as soon as he comes on the on the field, there's just um, I guess very little impact, and his average physically as far as um, his, uh, his his volume, like how much where he runs and how much ground he covers, and his average uh, in the duels and his sort of average technically as well in the build-up of play. Um, so yeah. I, I failed to see why he's on the starting eleven, to be honest. Uh, but um, yeah, at training he must show something that's that's pretty that's pretty good to be able to keep have his spot twice in a row with with Sampaoli. I think yeah, I think he's one of those Kawi where um, you know he's only playing because Rongier is unavailable. And I think Rongier, I think we'd all like to think that Rongier will fit in very well to to the, the system and, and the style that that Sampaoli wants. And sadly, him and Kawi are the only. You can't really say attacking, but yeah, they're, they're the only forward-facing midfield players that we have in, in that midfield in our squad. Because Ed Cham can't say I've been very impressed so far by what I've seen. I think he, he doesn't look very fit, and hopefully that improves and we see him again in a better light. But Gay and, and Kamara are very defensive. So I think somebody's reasoning is playing Kawi because he, he he's someone who's going to always look to, to play forwards. But... Uh, you know, I think we all know that when Rongier is fully fit and back in the, in the team, Kawi will be on the bench again. Yeah, um, actually, I, I sort of just realised that one player that I probably could have picked as a flop, and this is just because I, I think he's looked very ineffective and a bit lost, and he, that perhaps he's slipping behind, is uh, Benedetto, actually. I think uh, I'd be a bit worried for, if I was him about his future in the squad. I think... Yeah, he's, to me, he's, he needs to start doing something because Milik is looking, you know, strong. Benedetto's coming on as a sub and not really, not really doing anything. So yeah, I'd be, uh, for him, it's worth thinking about as a as a bit of a flop today I, and the, the previous game as well. Actually, um, I kind of want to just sort of wrap up this game. So just before to finish off, um, your takeaways, um. Maybe I'll go first, right, this time. So, my takeaway from this game is, again, is more personal. It's just about how pleased I was, I guess, how excited I was with it. So, like, with both the Tovan goal and the Cuisance goal, which I should say was a fantastic strike, I was jumping off my seat, you know, shouting. And I've, to be honest, lately I've not been doing that much watching Marseille, so it's kind of good to get the excitement back. And I haven't felt that way recently a lot. It's been a while. And, in fact, from a lot of AVB's time in charge, I haven't felt so um, excited about the games and the football. So I feel like there's um, some optimism um, to be felt 
at least for me anyway. I'm 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 looking forward to what more's gonna come, so that's my takeaway. Um Jeremy, what were you? De- definitely the optimism. Uh, I, I I agree with you. The the excitement when when he scored, and I think every every single Marseille fan um, failed for that game. That you know that tense. Um, yeah, it was a bit tense against West, and you know they they glove all, and then we are fighting to get that goal, and then finally we get it, uh, and then to celebrate we get a third one. And yeah, I yeah I was. I was not screaming because it was 4 a.m., but uh, I was definitely quite happy on my couch uh, over here in Australia. Uh, I think the the takeaway right, is, is again that ability that Sampoli has to to adapt, and I I, I respect press coach Dal Dalolio to be one of the um, one of the best, very best coach that we have in Liga, and one of the most forward-thinking coach that we have. We always want to try and get a result, and always try and and score a goal. And it's, I think, credit to Sampaoli to be able to uh, to win against a, a coach like that. Uh, and, and you know, if we uh, look just a little bit into the future, the last nine games that we have, there's only I think two or three of the nine teams that we have to play that are in the top ten. Um, so getting those two wins this week uh, is very, very important because the, those last nine games are supposedly easier game than the patch that we went through. So, uh, so those two wins that we got this week sort of open up the path for us to to go to that weird new European Cup. Yeah, um, Ben and you. What was your takeaway? <laughs> I'm curious to, to see. I mean, they know him. We'll we'll play that tournament, get to the final, and lose it, <laughs> and then we'll be a jamais les premiers as usual. <laughs> um, no, the, yeah, takeaways is, is the San Paoli effect. That you know, Ren Ren was pushy, um, but on Saturday you could see the foundations of of how he wants the team to play and. The, the positions and, and the runs that he wants the players to make. And I'm, I'm, I'm on the cautiously optimistic side because it's OM and we've all been burnt too many times recently by getting overexcited and then it, we, we end up with egg on our faces. But I, I was saying last week, I'm not going to judge him and I'm not going to expect anything from this team or him until after the international break when he's had a full two weeks to work with them in training and, and put together drills and and really, really drill it into them as well, what we want from them, how we want them to play in certain situations, et cetera, et cetera. But I have to say, I've, I'm, I've, you know, what I saw on Saturday was, was the foundations of that, and I thought it would take more time. So my, takeaways are, my takeaway is that, that whatever he's doing, he's doing it really well. The players seem to be responding to it for now, um, and he's, he's, he's straight away put into place some systems and, and, and combinations and... Um, and movements and attacking philosophy that I wasn't expecting to see this early on. So, yeah, he, he's the first OM coach to win his first two games in charge since Idi Boop in 2013. Can't believe it's been that long. He wasn't a great coach either. We got us in the Champions season. League, though. But, um, yeah, yeah um, we had the Navy B season, didn't we? Like The same as last year. That's what we had with Boop. Yeah. Um, OK, so I think we'll wrap it up then with that game and, and there was just one sort of new story I think worth mentioning briefly before we we close the show and that was the fact that Ouvra the what was his role head of business what is his role the general the general director general director that's it at Marseille so he's the guy that was kind of leading on the um, Agora OM thing wasn't he he's he's gone from his role so I understand he's 
he's not been sacked, has it? He's take, he's stepped down from his role, although has um, made some pretty arrogant comments. Actually, I thought um, on his way out, what I'd read, but yeah. So that's kind of, I suppose, will be seen as a victory, won't it, amongst the 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 fans and supporters groups who are obviously campaigning for both him and Echo to go to see that both of them have now gone. Even though I should say that Echo's departure, as we. I think we said before is he's not actually fully left as such. It's maybe more of a it was more of a symbolic departure from his role, but he's still there. I don't know if you guys have got anything you want to share about that. If not, we'll just we'll, we'll just shut up shop for tonight. Well, I I just have a little. I mean, it's, well, it's gossip, isn't it? But it's common knowledge for anybody who's heard the recording of the meeting the um, nations had with him and. I remember us sitting there and we were texting all of us that were on the call. We were texting at the same time, obviously, and saying, Jesus Christ, the guy's so far up his arse. Um, playing the victim, blaming everything on the fans for, for the commanderie and not accepting that, you know, it's the fact that, that the situation at the club has deter- deteriorated to this point that led to, to fans kicking off. Um, and, and, yeah, I think it's just one of the comments he made, which, which best illustrates the situation, is he said to us, you know, you're all asking for Eero to go, but it's not because you ask for the head of the king that you get the head of the king. It doesn't work like that. And, you know, <laughs> little, little little message to him is, um, is not only did we get the, the, king, the, the head of the king, we got the head of his, his you know, his bloody vassals and all, and all of his mates. <laughs> so we've got everybody's heads. <laughs> okay, well... God, he's gone. I guess then. I mean, to be honest, I don't have anything. I don't have any any sort of thoughts about the guy. I just like I wasn't on the call. I don't. I didn't know an awful lot about him. Obviously, other than the fact that he, when he came, everyone gave him a hard time about being a, possibly being a PSG fan. Over <laughs> some tweets from few years back, but um, I personally don't really give a shit about that. I don't care um, whether or not the club employs people that support PSG. I could not give a fuck. Do you know what I mean? Dimitri Payet supports PS, supported PSG. I don't give a shit. You know, um, as long as they do as as the they job. Do job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't care about that. But um, uh, I mean, that's really all I knew about him. Um, but I thought his you comments were, right were pretty arrogant. arrogant. Yeah, I was just I was reading they that were. and I was just like, oh, God. I mean, just best just not say anything, mate. The guy's been here what nine months or in total, or probably coming on ten months or something, and, and he says, "I'm leaving the club with a heavy heart after." Profoundly restructuring yeah. and make it and professionalising the structure. It's like, what the fuck have you done? I know. I'd like to see what you, he's you, done. You, you created OM Records, mate. That's about it. <laughs> he's done nothing else. It almost sounds a bit like he's um, maybe lacking a bit of um, self confidence, you know, to come out and say something like that. I don't know. So anyway, we'll see. Uh, what do we know? We don't, we don't work there, but hopefully he has made a positive impact. Um, but anyway, so I think um, we shall wrap the show up then tonight. Um, thank you guys for taking part, and yeah, look forward to the next one. Hopefully, we've got more victories and nice football to discuss next time we podcast. Okay, guys, good night, and thanks for taking part, and thanks everyone for listening. Cheers, guys. Bye.